And welcome to Desolate Hey everybody, and welcome to my desk. It's uh, it's a, been a great week. We had a lot of people visiting from out of town because of Hope, and uh, but we're we're back at our desk, ready to do engineering and electronics. Do you have any updates, Mr. Lady Ada? Or? Yeah, I mean, for super fans who follow the site and uh, our shows and everything, if it all works out, Adam Savage will be on our show until Wednesday at 7.30. So, yeah, I'm just, like, dropping in higher. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about Silicon, which is a, a event out in California, and Makerverse. Yeah. So if it all works out, it's always hard to time these things, but... Um, if it were, we'll let everyone know. But if you're around and you want to see Adam talk about this cool event, it's the closest thing to like a Maker Fair. Um, lots of familiar faces are going to be there and more. And so, now in Silicon Valley, great if you're yeah. in the California or West Coast area. All right, that's so, so cool. Uh, check it out, and uh, you know, other things going on and more. But that's the uh, kind of highlight of the week. Okay. So, what is going on at the desk of Lady Data this week? All right, let's kick it. Okay, first up, um, let's talk about revisions. Okay, so let's go to the overhead, and I'll show off a board that I'm revising and why. Hold on, let me get this all set up. Okay. Um, so, uh, the Metro Mini is one of my favorite boards. I actually use this all the time. Mostly because um, I find it easiest to uh, write drivers for the Arduino Uno first and then to other platforms. Um, partially because the, the compiler and uploading for the at Mega 328 is kind of like the fastest. And because it has a separate USB serial, I can press reset and I don't have to worry about the serial port disappearing and reappearing and, you know, the enumeration. So it's kind of nice for debugging. It doesn't have a lot of memory, but also it's like, it is like this, the standard Arduino. Um, this is a breadboard-friendly version of... The Metro, so it has all of the pins that you would expect for using, you know, an Arduino um, compatible. Let me see if I can get this to lock. Um, and uh, it's got the Atmega 328, uh, LED, you know, RXTX, uh, CP2104, your uh, serial, USB serial converter, micro USB, 3 volt and 5 volt regulators. I mean, it doesn't, it can't give you like, you know, two amps like the Arduino Uno. Uh, peak out of the five volts, but you know you can um, you can do a lot of breadboarding, and you can see here uh, I have this um, often wired up to you know Stemma QT board as I'm working on it. So uh, good news, love this board, and we actually have quite a few in stock. We 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 did get you know at Mega 328s and CP 2104s, and, and uh, we were able to keep these in stock. Um, but the CP 2104, you know, as we've mentioned many times on this show is slowly being, you know, discontinued and being replaced with the CP2102N, which requires a resistor divider. So I've been slowly going through all of our, our designs and um, making it so you basically can use the CP2104 or 2102N or the CH9102, that WCH um, USB to serial chip. Um, although I do, I still like the, the CP series the most. So that's all good. Uh, so this board, you know, wasn't in a rush to get designed, but it does need to get designed. And um, one of the things that I was actually, you know, I'm working on some drivers this weekend, and um, I was getting kind of annoyed of having to like plug in a Stemma QT cable like this to do my like, you know, my very common Stemma QT drivers. I really wanted a QT port at the end, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, if I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna have to redesign anyways, I might as well do like a gut renovation and kind of like tear everything out and start over. Um, and so I designed a, a new version, the V2 of this board, which looks like this. 
and uh, I'll show the difference. So, there's, you know, it's the same size, same pinout, mounting hole, same location, GPIO in the same location, but a couple things moved around. Um, so one, I moved to USB-C because that's kind of standard. People are, you know, expecting, I'm trying to make it so any new boards, unless there's a really good reason, um, I go with USB-C. And a lot of 0805 parts got shrunk into 0603 and, um, you know, these LEDs are 0603 now, so you can see they got shifted over to the left. The regulators are the same. Uh, you know, I have the resistors for the USB-C and the resistor divider for the CP2102N, so again, I can swap between the two parts. Um, the, this main chip looks smaller, and it looks smaller because it actually is smaller. Um, this is the 32QFN version of the 328P, uh, which is, you know, our standard bread and butter at Mega 328 chip. Uh, but because of the chip shortage, um, I all those all those at Mega 328QFNs have been allocated. Like, they're, we're, we're, we've used them in production. And so in order to get this design out, I actually was able to find, um, you know, microchip actually had a couple thousand of the 28 QFN version of this chip available. And um, the 28 QFN doesn't have the extra um, A6 and A7. You know, there's two extra analog pins. And, uh, you know, there's, there, there's just like one less ground pin. I mean, there's still ground, but it's just you don't have like three grounds. You have like two ground pins or something. Um, so it's otherwise pretty much, it's a, the equivalent chip. Uh, it's just a 28 QFN instead of a 32 QFN. So a lot of people haven't, don't use this package. They use this one. So this one I think was available. It's one of those like weird things where the, the package was available, you know, the different package was available. Um, so I snagged them and I'm going to release this with the 28 QFN and, you know, until I get through the 8,000 pieces and then, you know, I can always revise it. Uh, I made sure that there's space. I can make it uh, fit this big chip, bigger chip. And then you can see with the space I saved, I've got um, a Stemma QT port at the end there. Yay! And uh, the Stemma QT port, the desi design decision I made uh, to drop my oscilloscope probe is, uh, you know, because I was chatting with Mr. Lady Ada about this, because I have to make design decisions. So... Semi-QT boards all have level shifters in them, so you can use them with 3-volt or 5-volt logic. And they all can work with either, but um, quick boards only work with 3-volt logic. So the only thing is, you know, that needs to be done is I didn't really have space for a logic level shifter, and also I didn't want to put pull-ups on the I-squared the I C lines because those are also analog pins. Um, so on the bottom, the silk screens actually, I, I forgot to have the silk screen. But you have to change the logic level from five to three in order to use the um, STEM QT with three volt only. But I think it's not a big deal. I, I do it all the time. Um, I think this board has, you know, it'll say, yeah, it has the VIO silk screen. So you can see it's default five volt, but you can set it to three volts. And then you could uh, run this whole thing at three volt logic um, and power. So, pardon me. Uh, so this is a new board and I'm using this and it's super fun because I can just um, you know, plug in a sensor and I can start coding for it. So this is a UV sensor that I'm going to work on a driver for. Uh, so that's cool. So that's, uh, one board that, um, I finished and I ordered the PCB. So you'll see that in the shop in a couple weeks. It'll be a new product ID because I do think that there's some people who, you know, they, they do want to have, um, the, you know, the button did move and, you know, we still have a bunch of these in stock. So I think people 
can choose which one they want. I think there's there's reason to carry both for a bit uh, because it's a pretty big redesign. So that's that. Is there any questions for a move on? No, there was uh, CP2102N for new version. I don't know if that's a question or if it was just they were. Yes, we're using the CP21. Well, either. CP2102 or 2104. All right. Um, okay, so the All next right. thing... Keep going. Yes. Oh, I dropped my... Uh, so the next thing I've been working on, which... Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I kind of made a joke. I was, I was working on, like, a, a different tester, and, like, you know how you're just like, oh, all I have to do is update, you know, a version of, like, Raspbian on a tester, and then before you know it, you're installing, like, WSL v2 and, like, messing with your BIOS... So I'm, I'm playing with this uh, sensor, which ugh, I dropped. Hold on. It's a very weird... Uh-oh. Uh-oh, I lost it. What? Hold on. I, uh... What's going on here? I made a little uh, uh, under attack. <laughs> I dropped my, my sensor underneath. Do you need a flashlight? No, but it's like... It's stuck in the worst place. Hold on. Oh. No. Well, how about I, I, how about I get it in? Why don't you? Ha, oh, okay. Got it. And not only did it fall underneath, it fell underneath like the. Stay tuned for under the desk of Lady Ada, <laughs> a new series. That it we'll was be like under the desk leg, and it was like yeah. caught in there. We'll okay. start that series. Yeah. Uh, so this is, uh, the, this is a kind of an interesting sensor. This is called the AGS O two M A. And it's by the same company that makes the DHT22, which is why it looks like a DHT22. But it's actually a gas, uh, a uh, volatile organic compound sensor. Which I thought was interesting. Like, look, it's cheap, right? It's a cheap gas sensor. It definitely, like, works, but it's not what I would call, like, a high-precision sensor. Um, so I've got it hooked up here. And then it does have, it does require external pull-ups. So let me wire this up like so. And then I had this hooked up to, hold on, man, there's like a lot of, there's just disaster everywhere here. Okay, got my sensor. I was hooking it up to my Arduino, um, my Metro Mini, and uh, the thing that's interesting about this is that, you know, it does work. You can read the gas resistance. Inside is actually a little microcontroller. It's like a little, like, 8-bit micro. And um, it reads from an analog gas sensor and, and converts it to I2C. Um, the thing that's really annoying about the sensor is it requires a 20 kilohertz I2C clock, uh, which, is, which is really low. Most things are 100 kilohertz. And... When you set the clock for most chips, they expect you to go only higher than 100. Like, they, you go up to like 200 kilohertz, 400 kilohertz, or even 1 me you know, megahertz for I2C clock. It's not very common for microcontrollers to set their clock rate to below 100. And so, um, for example, like as I was doing this, it's like, oh, I just want to like read the sensor. Before you know it, it's like, oh, it turns out the Arduino core doesn't, you know, doesn't do the prescaler right, so you can't use the low clock rate, and then I was like, okay, I'll, like, do the PR for that, and then, you know, like, two hours passed. Uh, but I did get um, this sensor going, so let me... Hold on. I have to uh, get the right port. 
maybe. I'm gonna have to re-upload the code. Okay, so, oh, can you get to the um, computer? So this is the, uh, there's just a little bit of I squared C debugging, but you can see um, the gas resistance and the total vol volatile organic compounds. It's about 400 uh, parts per billion. And then, you know, if I take my handy dandy um, rubbing alcohol, isopropyl alcohol used for uh, cleaning off floppy drives, and I just uh, kind of waft the cap over it, you'll see in a few seconds, um, the total volatile organic compounds spike up to, you know, uh, 12,000 or 50,000 parts per billion. So it is reactive. I wouldn't like, I would definitely not use this for anything more than just overall trends um, rather than trying to actually, uh, you know, use this as a, as a calibrated source. It's definitely not a scientific source uh, for organic compounds, but it gives you a rough idea. Like if there is alcohol gases in the area, it will, you know, methane or, um, ethylene or whatever, it'll probably detect them and give you like a sense that it's gone up or down. Um, but I did have to um, do a bit of work to get the, the set clock um, function working. Uh, we also have a CircuitPython library and then it turns out that some chips actually, are, it's just very challenging to get them to clock at lower than 30 kilohertz. But luckily um, ESP32 and, and AVR 8-bit uh, did work out after a little bit of a, of a tweaking. So, so that's good. And uh, so I'm going to finish up that library tonight, and then we'll have these sensors in the shop so that people can use them. And I think it's, you know, I, I can't help it. I love little I2C sensors that even if they're cheap, um, they're great for students. You know, I can definitely see a lot of kids in school that are like, I want to make a basic, you know, how does the breathalyzer work or whatever? Yeah. Or how does... Um, you know, a, a gas alert sensor work. You could prototype it for a couple bucks because gas sensors can be kind of pricey. All right, you want to do the uh, great search? Okay, just uh, yeah. If there's any other questions, no, otherwise, let's uh, go to the great search. The Great Search brought to you by Adafruit and DigiKey. Thank you, DigiKey. This is the weekly segment where Lady Ada uses her power of engineering to help you, yes you, find the things you're looking at and for on DigiKey.com. Lady Ada, what are you looking for this week in the Great Search? You would never guess it, but this one has to do with a part that I can't get anymore. I bet. With the part shortage. I bet it has something to do with parts. Oh, good guess. Uh, it does. <laughs> uh, so this week... Um, we are, you know, what's interesting is half the time you can tell I do a part shortage because I'm like, hey, I'm designing a new thing and I got to spec a part. And the other half is I'm told by the fabrication team at Adafruit, they're like, hey, like we can't get this. And the purchasing team says, yeah. this part went end of line. We can't get anymore. Um, we need your help to find an alternative uh, so we can keep production going. So this week, um, the part that I was told is no longer available um, because, again, not only is it hard to get some parts, but parts that are available are going end of line much faster, uh, end of life, and are, are you know, no, um, uh, they're not, you know, non-cancelable, non-returnable, uh, which means they're kind of nearing the end of, of their functionality life. And so, you know, finding a good alternative for um, the, this part, the fan 5333, even though I, there's a last time buy, I haven't learned my lesson. It used to be last time buy meant you could actually last time buy. Does not mean that anymore. It means like it's over. Good luck. Maybe we'll send it to you to some in two years. Uh, so this um, 
So this week we're going to, let's go to the computer and I'll show the part that I am getting. So the part that we're gonna get is the uh, Fan 5333B. And I love this part, to be honest. It was a um, high current 1.5 amp internal switch, fast 1.5 megahertz switching frequency, uh, super small, inexpensive, SOT 23.5, boost converter for LEDs. And what's cool about this is that it was a constant current LED driver, which means that, you know, if you're dealing with backlights, so oftentimes, you know, you get a TFT, anything that's kind of big like this, um, like anything that's over like three inch TFTs, the backlights are often in parallel. So let's look at the backlight diagram. Hold on. Okay. So this is the uh, display and there's the pinout. And then when you look at the backlight, it's like, bam, you have six or seven LEDs in a row. You want to drive them to 20 milliamps, but you have to, the, the V forward for the LEDs is 22 volts. And this is not uncommon. Most large displays require a boost converter to drive um, the LED backlight. And the V forward, of course, is dependent on, you know, if you have like one LED, you know, you can use a resistor. You don't have to do constant current because it's like, ah, it's three, it's 3.4. It's, it's, you know, somewhere around three-ish volts. But when you have a bunch in a row and there's variations in the backlight design and variations in temperature and, you know, whatever, how bright you want to run it, um, that VF is, it's, it says 21.7, but that's not guaranteed. It can really vary from 20 to 24. So having something that's constant current, you said it, look, I just want 20 milliamps and you, you boost it as high as possible to get to that voltage. Um, that's what you want a constant current driver for. And that's what the fan 5333B did wonderfully. I loved it. So up to 30 volts, um, it again did, you know, 1.5 amps because let's say, uh, you had, you know, 24 volts output divided by 3.3 volts input. So it's a seven, seven and a half times multiply. And then let's say you had a 0.5, sorry, 0.05 um, amp output. Uh, so you need at least, you know, uh, 400 milliamps, 0.4 amp current switch. But honestly, I would really double it. You really want, you know, at least 750 milliamp internal switch current so you don't overload it and also um you know if you need a little bit more like 75 milliamps you can do it so this was a really great driver which is why it's so tragic uh that it's not available so let's look at what what it used to be here we go last time by this is it end of line so let's find an alternative and um I will say it's a little challenging to find a perfect alternative, but I'll do the best I can. And uh, one thing, another thing is the price was really nice. These are about 60 cents a piece, uh, which is like really sweet. So you do need an inductor, you need a diode, and these also needed a protection diode. They would actually, um, they need a xenodiode to avoid going over voltage, but uh, you know, those were cheap, those were 10 cents. So not bad. So let's find something similar. Again, from three to five volt input, 20, 24 volt output, uh, switch current of at least a half an amp, um, but you know, as much as possible, high speed, PWMable, and ideally the same size and pinout. Wouldn't that be 
Wouldn't that be nice? So let's find something. It's a uh, DC-DC regulator. It's a step up with an internal switch and one output. I'm not gonna set the voltage input min max because of course it could always be a wider range, um, but also I'm, I'm a little flexible on it. Voltage output again, I don't need up to 30. I just need around like 20. Current output, I'll just see what's available. Um, I do want surface mount and I don't pick the package case because remember there's SOT 23.5 and there's TSOT 23.5 and both will work. So I don't set this and I set this on the next page. So, all right, here we are. So let's look for only active items because again, we don't want to, we don't want to find things we've already found. Um, next up, we do want to set the package. So I'm going to go down here and I'm going to select uh, SOT23 thin or TSOT, uh, which is also the same as uh, SC74A. I'm like pretty sure that was the one. It's not the same as 70. Yeah, 70-5 is, is the smaller version. Um, 74A is the same as, as TSOT23.5. I will say, by the way, because, you know, obviously I, I do these, you know, earlier because I, I get it all ready to make sure I can actually find something. Um, there is a lot more options if I'm willing to go to the TSOT 6. So I will say, you know, if there might be some situation where I'm like, oh, if I have to update the design, um, there might be, be there, there'll be more and better options if I'm willing to go to a six pin slot 23.6. But again, I'm looking for something that could swap into my current designs to, to just let me stretch out the PCBs I have now. Uh, so let's look here and this is already only 35 options. Um, so I'm also going to look for stuff that's, uh, in stock right now. I will say that there's a couple options that are not in stock, but if it's not in stock, a lot of them aren't coming into stock until 2023. Um, and then the voltage output, I will say, you know, I didn't want to limit this because um, some of them, they were like voltage output, but they could actually go a little bit higher than 20 or 21 volts. Also the current output, because some of these are switch current and some of these are non-switch, I was like, you know what, let me, I'll just look at the data sheet for each and see what's up. Uh, next up, search by price because I want to kind of get something close. So the first thing I'm going to look at is this uh, like ZXLD. With boost converters, you really do have to just look at the um, the design. So the only thing is that this is actually kind of weird. It is a backlight driver, but it's actually like a, a cell. Um, it's for a photo cell, um, a photovoltaic cell um, input to an LED. So it's 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 a funky, useful thing, but it's not what I want. It's not, um, it's not the kind of boost converter I'm looking for. Next up is the NCP507, also a pretty good price, about the same. Looking at this, um, okay, so this, this looks promising because this is, you can tell it's actually a boost converter and it's meant for a string of LEDs. Uh, it can do up to 20, 20, 22 volt output, which is a, a little bit low, but I think it might work fine for most of my designs. Because remember, it said about 20, 22 volt output. Um, let's look at the current. It can do 1.0 watts, which is, if you divide by 22 volts, about 45 milliamps. So, you know, yeah, not too bad. Um, the only thing is, I looked at this one. 
and I looked at this and you see it's uh, switch ground feedback and this one is feedback ground N. So it's um, it's not the same, it's the same package, but it's not the same pinout. So, uh, you know, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm gonna say no to it because I could reroute some traces. I could still use the same pick and place program, the same stencil, but um, not, I'm not loving this one so far. All right, next up is the CAT4139. Uh, this one, uh, looking at, so switch ground feedback, and this one does switch ground feedback, shut down VA, and so this has the right pinout, which is good. It has the right package, which is good. Uh, it also says can drive lines up to 22 volts, um, but when I looked, yeah, it liked to have 22 volts, but it was actually willing to do a little bit above, I think. I remember I saw it was like, oh, you know, you could go to, there's an old over voltage detection at 23 or 24. So um, depending on the displays, it might actually be okay. And then um, the switch current is 750 milliamps. Remember, you've got like, that's the multiplied current from the input. So that would mean um, let's see, 22 volts divided by 3.3, uh, which is like 7 times, so 750 divided by 7. So max 100 milliamp output, but really I'd say 50 milliamps is probably good. That means um, two parallel strands, which for that 4.3-inch display, it only had one strand, but the 7-inch displays we have have two strands in a row. So that's good to know. Um and it has uh, some open LED detection, um, and it has PWM control. So the only thing that was a little odd is it wanted a little bit of like, it had a resistor here uh, to protect the feedback pin, but it wasn't clear if you actually needed it. Um, the feedback resistance is a little different, so this uses a 0.3 volts feedback, and I believe this one uses, oh no, it also has about 0.3 volts. So that's good. The feedback resistor is the same. And you can PWM the, the input. Uh, no more than two kilohertz, but it is PWM, which is what I would do for our design, so I would use that for the, that's how you PWM the um, LEDs, you actually just like turn on and off the boost converter really, really fast. So will this work? I mean, it doesn't go as high, it's not 30 volts, it's 22 volts. That said, I think given the small number of items in stock, like after this, the price gets really high and like this boost converter is only 350 milliamp switch. And then it's like, okay, now the, the pricing gets quite high. One chip that did look like it was a very good option if, if the CAT4139 doesn't work is the MCP1664. Um, this goes up to 36 volts and a uh, 1.8 amp switch. So it's, it's a really good output. And I think, I think the... Yeah, switch ground feedback, switch ground feedback. So this is also pin compatible. The only thing is it's twice the price, but uh, it will definitely do the job. It does that voltage or higher. It does that much current or higher. So it's, it's kind of an upgrade. 
So we've got two options. I'm probably going to um, try this one for some of the smaller displays, like again, the ones that only have one strand. But if I need you know, two strand or three strand, something that really wants to push a lot of current or uh, high voltage across the display, I can always go to the, uh, the MCP, sorry, the MCP1664. So two options, um, but I'm gonna probably start with this one, the cat, oh, we'll go back here, the cat, 4139 and there's a couple thousand stocks so I can pick these up and then um you know see how they uh how they do in the design and of course you know I'll know immediately if um it's not lighting up the backlight or if there's any issues so I'll probably pick some up hot air them onto um the backlight controller for some of my displays and just like do they light up bright enough if so um we'll be able to use that and I'll just check each display one after the other if it doesn't work with this one I'll try the MCP as well all right, that's a great search. All right, okay. that is the desk of Lady Ada tonight. That's what I got. And we'll see everybody throughout the week. Thanks so much for joining us on this Sunday Eve. We shall see you next week. Bye, everybody.